Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cosmic, uh, Weirdly Cosmic podcast with me, Louise Eddington, the Cosmic Owl of Cosmic Owl Astrology. And before we get into the podcast and I introduce my tea guest today, we're both going to be having tea. I would like to remind you to um, subscribe to my channel if you're on YouTube and maybe give the bell a little check too so you get notified when I upload new videos. But of course, it's also available on iTunes and all places where people listen to podcasts. So iTunes reviews are always welcome as well. And um, today I have with me another guest um, talking about the um, centaurs. Um, I did interview my friend Shelley and Teen about Sheriklo a little while ago. So you can find that on my channel. And um, and uh, Shelley introduced me to David, David Lestiewicz. Am I saying that right, David? I should That's have right. That. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, both uh, David and Shelley are contributors to a book on centaurs that's coming out. Do you have a date yet? I know when I interviewed Shelley, there was no. Um, Hopefully we're in the uh, final surge, maybe uh, end of summer we could optimistically hope for. Thank you. Not not too long then. And if anybody is interested in the, in the book or being notified when it's published, it's Price Seppi Press. Um, and I'll put the link in the show notes. You can enter your email and you will get notified when the book's published. Um, I've entered mine and um, I can't wait to read the book, to be quite honest, because centaurs are my new obsession. <laughs> and... Um, so, David, first, um, oh, let me tell you, David, before we get into an introduction from you, um, kind of let me tell you what blew the lid off my interest in centaurs um, is uh, the day I actually heard of, well, I'd heard the name before of Folus, and I had, but I hadn't studied them. Um, but I was listening to Melanie Reinhardt, who's also in the book, and she, she talked about Folus, and on that day to the minute, Folus was conjunct my first house Saturn in Capricorn. So right. he, kind of, he kind of blew the lid off uh, my interest in centaurs that day. <laughs> That's how it happens. We meet them when they happen to be transiting important planets in our chart. Exactly. Always without fail. Exactly. Right. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you know how long you've been an astrologer why centaurs because you you've done a lot of work on centaurs right yeah that's right for me um the two topics uh arrived in my life at the same time i learned about the centaurs in my very first astrology reading and then oh wow um i happened to get a program that showed me a dozen centaurs it's called chiron mm. with a k and um so that was just a good happy stroke of luck that got me to um never look at a chart without a centaur in it basically mm. and, and you know um i happen to have two notable transits in the beginning of my astrology world um opening which was in 2010 2011 and so mm -hmm. chiron and neptune were conjunct at the end of aquarius at that time and that happened mm -hmm. to be at my um closing chiron square transit you know which is such a crucial life cycle event which really those two, the synthesis of Chiron and Neptune, which may be hard to articulate, but just a fascination and need to understand the mystical and truth of reality, perhaps um, maybe even through some kind of healing journey um, mm -hmm. 
they were approaching my ascendant in Pisces together. And so I was at the conclusion of working for a spiritual organization. And through that, I had a series of fortunate events occur to me, which really blew blew the lid off of my own um, Mm. energetic consciousness, we could say things like that. And quite normal events within, you know, spiritual practice, whether you're practicing in really any kind of embodied tradition. But so these kind of events for me afterwards, when I was looking back at them with the benefit of hindsight and astrological symbolism, courtesy of the centaurs, then it was very clear that just as you shared that the same things happen alongside really notable transits, you know? And so uh, for me, it was interesting because there were the Chiron transits for sure, but then the the nymph centaurs you already mentioned, Kariklo and their daughter, Chiron and Kariklo's daughter, Okuro, was really mm. uh, fortunately placed for me as well. And in a way that kind of shows the whole centaur process because she kept highlighting various key points in my chart over the year and a half, which was the really mm-hmm. crucial time period for me. So it was very clear. And so we, we will get into Okirui's story, but she's sort of uh, an approachable, gentler centaur with right. not as much trauma in the story, although there are branches of that, which we can get into because it's fascinating regarding mm-hmm. world events if we want to, although there's no shortage of that. But so, yeah. uh, as you all know, the, um, but so Okirui, well, maybe it's too soon to delve into the whole story of Okirui, but she quickly became my, my favorite, you know, and coincidentally, not a lot of people really work with Okirui. So she became I, a bit of my, my uh, special, you know, trick. Is I to- hadn't, I hadn't even heard of her. <laughs> Till I, yeah. <laughs> I, till I bought your presentation I was oh, like cool. oh <laughs> thanks so much yeah, yeah right on yeah. and and you know Okirui for me I didn't even know how to say her name properly until I met my um my brilliant partner in all things centaur healing Jennifer Kellogg who has a PhD in Greek and mm-hmm. so she kindly alerted me to the fact that I wasn't saying the final e properly and so she has an extra syllable and that really broadens out the word when you say Okirui and Okirui, yeah. Okirui, and that's actually the word apparently currently used still um, in Greece for a swift flowing river, which is what her oh. name is. Ah, well, I'm quite happy to kind of dive into her straight away. Is this what your chapter is is written is about in the book? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool. Well, let's let's just go with that swift flowing river and yes. <laughs> and talk about her. Tell. tell how did you discover her? Does she have a discovery chart? Or Yeah, we should definitely look at that chart together. I can send you mm-hmm. those coordinates or we could just look at it together. So she was discovered in the late 1990s, which makes her mm-hmm. one of those recent uh, epiphanies of the Centaur family expanding. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Chiron in the late 70s was then followed after a period of more than 12 years or so by the discovery of Nessus, Pholus, and Asbolus. Mm-hmm. But then in the late 90s, that was in the early 90s, then we had Kariklo and Okira we discovered. And I only recently learned this, that there was a beautiful synergy between the astrologers and astronomers at the time mm. in this process of naming the centaurs. And Melanie Reinhardt talks about it a little bit in the chapter that she wrote, or the introduction for the book that she also wrote 
for this upcoming centaur anthology um which is just a really kind of a healing sort of event in itself that this split between science and spirituality that is kind of archetypally shown in usually the distrust of one and the other you know oh yes yes our society (laughs) and we're kind of secret astrologers compared to the you know i always wonder if we had the same funding that nasa had what could we discover as a group of astrologers right seriously yeah (laughs) it'd be amazing (laughs) well let's let's look put up her her chart how do i spell it again o-k-y-r-h-o-e so she was uh september 19th 1996 so she was discovered before carrie clothing i'm sorry 1998 thanks for oh 1998 oh okay there you go there we go and time let's see i have it on my phone right here yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so all of this information too is really handy because you know in the modern era we have the technology was side by side with it so Mm. these planets are the first ones that were discovered in the computer age and and all of this kind of instant chart access right away which is Um, wonderful (laughs) i've gone and closed it haven't i that's fine here we have it so there's a great database called sphinx and they have it all and so the early chart so as you and shelly you know we're really enjoying talking about the beauty of kariklo's chart Mm. The Okirui chart has some similar beautiful details. Okay, so the discovery was 9-19-98. And that was... Yeah, I'm sorry. We have the yeah, universal a, time here. But that's I think okay. one of those great details. I have it on my wall elsewhere. The Okirui discovery. Here we have it. She was actually on the 18th of September by our standard time she was at kit peak where so many planets are discovered in tucson and that was at 2352 so we see a cancer rising 52 p.m tucson az yeah we have a place we have a place down in tucson actually so i i look at kit peak you can't go up it at the moment um unfortunately because of uh, COVID. Anyway, uh, let's share the chart. <laughs> pouring some more tea. There we go. Does that look right to you? Yes. Of it. course, she's she's not on there. So where could where would she okay, be? Great. Well, then the fill in the blank is fun because as you see this chart as an astrologer, your eye would be drawn to the Jupiter at the midheaven, probably mm-hmm. at yeah. Pisces, and so with she pal- is oh, with Pallas Athena with, too. With Pallas yeah. Athena, so important. So she was only two degrees after them at 24 and a half Pisces. Ah, okay. So I'm going to draw her on. Cool. <laughs> you can do that. All right. I can. You and talk so, about this. Well, yeah, uh, so what's so amazing, we have this resonance with Jupiter shown here that she was conjunct Jupiter in Pisces, one of his most potent spiritual positions. And then, mm-hmm. as you said, with Pallas Athena, which we'll get into, but... Mm-hmm. That this is one of those gifts from the cosmos where Okirui has a 24 and some odd year orbit. And so she's in a two to one resonance with Jupiter, who's the 12 year orbit. Oh. 
And so that they were discovered together means that I think at every Okira we return to this more or less, then it means that they will be conjunct. Okay. Oh, I, so she's got a really fast orbit compared to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, That's what okay. makes her this kind of friendly centaur that she... We can also look at her um, her orbit chart in there. Um, but what she does is, I think... Technically, she's, she is a centaur because she does pass the realm of Saturn, but only just. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so she's almost like an asteroid who lives mostly between the realm in space at, per distance between Jupiter and Saturn. She okay. just peeks out past Saturn. Right. Uh, some of these definitions, though, the yeah, astronomers get so uh, uptight about them. I mean... Mm-hmm. Carrie Clay's got rings, right? So yeah, is, she a, like is a, she a centaur or is she a planet? <laughs> yeah, I just learned that you know? she might be reconsidered a dwarf planet soon because yeah. she has the largest centaur. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't take their definitions too much to heart. These bodies still kind of have their effect on us. So tell me what else you knew. Uh, um... Yeah, well, so she was opposite most of the time actually they're found opposite the sun because they're at the kind of the illumination of at their uh okay position point so that holds true but it's kind of nice that it was at the um the new moon conjunct mm. oh yes yes Venus-ish. very much and in uh, virgo in right mm. and in virgo with mercury so there's a lot of strength in this chart a lot of you know mm. dignity um and one thing I notice is her North Node on Regulus. Oh, great. Right. Back when Regulus. Was... After Regulus has changed signs ah, into yes, Virgo. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You know, because uh, I think we're moving into kind of this more, um, for want of a better term, kind of d- divine feminine priestess kind of age. Sure. And Vir- Virgo is, to my mind, very much the energy of the, the priestess energy. So. Great, right, yes. and, and then that yes. the Pallas Athena is prominent in the chart as a certain kind of priestess energy for yes. sure. Oh, definitely. I think I think that Jupiter Pallas energy really combines in Pisces with Okirui to show us her character as. Mm. So yeah, let's let's get into why this is such a fun chart. It's maybe a little mm. more behind the scenes than the brilliant star pattern in the Curricula one, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the fun, as you say, so the North Node conjunct Regulus, that's a very strong placement. Mm-hmm. And then we have a strongly dignified chart in this sense. But then we get um, the Sabian symbol, which I know you also enjoy looking at, mm-hmm. for 25 Pisces is uh, the purging of the priesthood, oh. which has a oh, lot oh, oh. of similar mood to like getting something done in the cause of clearing out what needs mm. to be healed and and um mm. changed reformation revolution that sort of thing yeah. but then also um i forget you may have encountered it of course in my in my presentation that you got but the um the saving symbols are so powerful and in this case i think it's perfectly valid and useful symbol but um there's a retranslation of them in modern times by one of my favorite American astrologers, John Sandback. Oh, I, I love him. I, right, I, used the... I noticed you saw the, the Chandra symbols as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and I knew he'd retranslated them. So what did he translate right. this one So to? this one he saw 
25 Pisces as at the river singing and purification by water. Oh, I love that. And that's just a great uh, ritualistic healing moment. But then we see that the water, of course, Pisces is water anyway. But so this Okiroi, which means swift water. And as a centaur, she's involved with this kind of spiritual purification. Mm. So it's perfect that she was discovered at this degree. Mm, And then for those who like the stars instead of the signs or whatever we have that in the background here, this is in the constellation Pegasus and happens to be right around the fixed star Markab or Alpha Pegasi, which is the bright star of Pegasus. So that's interesting, but it took me a while to, to notice that that was, you know, because the Pegasus myth as, as I had learned it, um, wouldn't necessarily come to mind or maybe in some ways it does I actually kind of forget it at this moment but um (laughs) the reason why is that so with myths and stories and and all the centaurs you know there's always another telling and another recension of what happened and who knows what really happened but one of the several metamorphoses stories of how so Okirui was born almost like a human girl form uh like a nymph embodied not like a centaur right but so she what makes her centauric is that she is turned into a mare a female horse and and then that horse in one of the main stories is what becomes pegasus the constellation Ah, (laughs) that's one of those yes so in some respects she is pegasus really Mm -hmm. so yeah wow i love how these things always kind of seem to flow together now, have you noticed um, more people discovering her and your work on it with uh, Neptune hovering over her? Oh, yeah, right. This whole season has been a really dynamic Okirui season with yeah. all the uh, movement of the planets through late Pisces, especially Neptune, for sure. We also had mm-hmm. Venus and Jupiter both already, and they were conjunct mm-hmm. very close to that point. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, especially like Okirui, you know, so I do also healing work with the centaurs. We work with a bunch of the centaurs in their like present day energies. And Okirui mm-hmm. is very present for us. And many people, especially young women, I think, resonate with her archetype. And she's very approachable as a healing mm-hmm. vibration. But so also the the 24 year Okirui return, it's kind of a prelude to the Saturn return. I mean, it is. Yeah. So that's a very useful it's another expansion of the of the Jupiter return. Every other mm. Jupiter return will be an Okirui return. So that's helpful to yeah. kind of get in the grit of, you know, you probably understand your Jupiter as an astrologer or receiving a reading, but the Okirui archetype, almost because it broadens that out in that rift between Jupiter and Saturn, the bridge. Mm. So there can be a lot of useful perspective there. Um, yeah. yeah of course my mind's clicking about where was she in my chart I'm gonna have to look her up and and yes. work on all of that I'm thinking of my cycles around those years 24 about 24 and a half was a big big change for me actually so <laughs> that's, right. I'm sure it that's was. very yeah it was <laughs> I'm not going to go into details but I was like oh right. <laughs> and right. yes and so, so I happened to be 24 also when when these events that I was speaking of first started to blossom through in my life. So wow, absolutely okay. the same thing was occurring. Yep. Well, it would have been my second 
um, return mm, of okay. her when we moved um, to Utah or we were moved to Utah by my husband's company. Mm. And, and that led to me turning what was just a hobby, looking at learning and teaching astrology myself to becoming a professional astrologer. Wow, right on. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. so of course, it was the Chiron return as well. So, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. So then yeah. the second Okiri return then is the, pre, is the prelude to the Chiron return. That's really cool. I hadn't actually thought of that so formally. Mm. Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. And yeah. so you've also highlighted like the function of Okiri. Like what is she and who, who is she? You know, so in her myth, the reason she was turned into a mare in also the main story, though we'll also talk about the second version for another interesting subplot. But the mm -hmm. main point is that she was a prophetess, an oracle, and so she could see everything and know everything, which mm. is a superpower. But as we know, the gods aren't always so pleased by humans or lesser divinities who say too much. Yes. And so in that version, she was turned into a horse simply to silence her. Right. And so there's a lot of the Okirui mythos in that moment. Mm -hmm. But so in our own um, events that relate to the Okirui cycle, we can uncover our own prophetic abilities, mm -hmm. you know, our higher vision and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And at the mundane level, simply this kind of revolution against authority to break free and okay their truth so we do see that a lot in mundane astrology use of okirui cool mm -hmm. and so what's what's the other version yeah well so the other version which again i only everything is kind of uh revealed in due time i just found oh, out always <laughs> always yes and so the other story is that she was actually with child and didn't want her father chiron to know and so she asked the gods to send her into the sky Ah. And so that's interesting. But then we also, as we've noted, you know, this was the Okirui return month. The last month was when Okirui has returned to this point in Pisces. Or maybe we didn't say that so clearly, but that's what we meant no. by the whole conjunction with Neptune. She's now just returned to her original place right. um, at 25 Pisces. And so when I realized that her secondary story, in which she's called Melanipe, which is actually her more famous name, that the daughter of Chiron and Cariclo is given. Okay. But we can kind of, if we can kind of loosen our definition and, and say that the same characters played under different names. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, then the Melan Melanipe, which means black mare, uh, she symbolizes, you know, an unwanted pregnancy, essentially, right? And then, um. so this has become, you know, the last month is so fraught with difficult, terrible things that have happened in our country alone that um uh -huh. i you know it's already kind of in the background but in a month ago with this whole like revelation of oh. the supreme court's intentions you know although not yet enacted of course around reproductive oh. rights and it's coming any day it's, it's coming, coming any day yeah. now <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and so that was very relevant if we're wow. seeing both well we can get into that maybe later but that seemed to vibrate that story side anyhow mm. And, and, and um, you know, I think we all have our own um, energies we tune into. And the energy of Pisces, I often refer to as the amniotic fluid yeah. of creation. Beautiful. So yeah. an un, kind of the unwanted pregnancy, the whole birthing kind of energy, that really, um, really fits. 
and with the cancer rising on the moon in Virgo. of course Woo. <laughs> oh right. actually now that you mentioned yeah. it you know uh we may get into this later also but one of my favorite recent as- astrology books that i read is by uh courtney roberts on the visions of the virgin mary okay which is sort of an ironic parallel but but there's a lot of interesting yeah. crossover between the archetypes and uh what's so well written about that book is that it's meant for the everyday audience that's not necessarily a trained astrologer mm-hmm. and so she hones yeah. in on the cancer and virgo archetypes actually as prominent in a lot of the visions just like really simple like if there's a lot of planets there it happens to match up and and just as you say like those are very um, I'm, I'm writing visions of the virgin mary by courtney roberts i'm gonna yeah. have to i'm gonna have to read it and interestingly i don't know if you look at where the planets are at on the day i'm always aware of where they are because i write daily astrology posts right we have we have a virgo moon first right. quarter, first That's quarter true. square right now <laughs> well to 16 degrees um gemini so series the great mother is the so all of that that mm. mutable t square mm. is being highlighted as we talk so well <laughs> so much resonance. i know yeah and yeah, um times yeah and there is a big rise in um, interest in working with uh, Mary in, in all forms, uh, Mary Magdalene, um, sure. all the Marys, right. you know. Right. Marys. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I always think uh, Virgo looks like an M, like the Marys, so it is mm-hmm. an M, really. So mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, uh, I started with Shelley um, on this series, looking at these centaurs, looking at Cariclo, um, and um and she's uh, the ultimate priestess um shelley describes her as i could see both as uh, both of these as real mm-hmm. priestess kind of figures mm-hmm. um and i always think of the virgo pisces line as kind of the practical mystic um axis nice. right yeah so would that kind of resonate with her energy kind of this practical mystic healing kind oh of yeah Totally. And I think of that just also just when we think about the Jupiter Saturn blend, I feel like that, mm. which is her orbital characteristic as well, although I know that doesn't exactly match, no, with but, it. but there's the two ways of kind of bringing the Jupiterian into our reality. And mm. um, as you mentioned, Curriculo, again, the priestess, again, a story with multiple forms, but I think as Shelley mentioned that there's one version where she's a temple priestess with Pallas Athena. Yes. Yeah. And so that we see, like, her, let's say her mother's mentor, so prominent in this in chart, this. kind of guiding her into our awareness. With her dad. <laughs> right, with her dad. Wait, wait, Jupiter. With, with, um, right. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, wait, with whose dad? Sorry. With, with. Oh, Palace of Venus. Palace, yes, of course. Self-arisen sprang, from Jupiter. Thank you. <laughs> sprang, yes. sprang from Zeus's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I know right. that because my Palace Athena and Jupiter are exactly conjunct. Ah, to, great. Well, so. you can explain this. No, sorry. That's so funny. Mine are too. <laughs> Thanks for pointing yeah. that out. Mine are in Scorpio. Right. That's mine great. Minor in Sagittarius. And, um, oh, Jupiter's right. Okay. My ruling, Jupiter's right. my ruling planet. So. Very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then so that's really interesting too. Then in her recent return, she was once again conjunct palace. I'm pretty sure. Let's see, I have that right here. Okiri's return. Yeah, what she would it? have been because yeah, she would have been because Venus and Palace have been traveling. 
fairly close for a while. Oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. But what did I oh. mean instead? <laughs> I thought she was thus conjunct. No, uh, I think Pallas is already over in Taurus. I'm oh. looking at the wrong chart. Oh, was she? Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, oh, yeah. Pallas no. spent a long time in, in Aries. But mm -hmm. I can be looking at, I look at so many different charts in one. Oh, so do I. Yeah. So do I. And I usually remember where every planet is, but sometimes yeah. you've kind of looked at so many that it's like, oof. But safe right. to say, while you look, safe to say, you know, um, all uh, she's been really highlighted over the last couple of years or so with all the eclipses in Sagittarius, in, in Sagittarius Gemini and the nodes in Sagittarius Gemini, squaring that main axis and um, and all of the Neptune, Jupiter, Venus. She's been really highlighted. Yeah. I noticed that her Uranus um, is, is is pretty much exactly where Caraclo is right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, just the symmetry between centaurs is a really fascinating one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I mean, so... I don't know what relevance that has. So, so just before we kind of, um, I know we've got a, a chart to look at, uh, but just tell us a little bit more kind of maybe some keywords for her that you kind of think of that people. Sure. Uh, you, yeah. Well, there's something about like clarity of vision. Right. The, the process of having been cleansed by the waters and, and seeing clearly, which is a nice attribute. Um, you know, prophecy is very high-minded, like not everyone will necessarily be a prophet or even have prophetic moments, but to be able to channel understanding and wisdom, even in, in your own life, in, um, to have mm -hmm. clarity. Um, Zane Stein wrote an interesting article about Okirui, where he saw, again, kind of a more mundane level, where someone like Rachel Carson has Okirui, I think, conjunct the sun, mm -hmm. and, and she, or it was somehow very prominent in her chart, and she, of course, had this fearless ability to tell it how it was about the environmental destruction that was ensuing. And mm. it was a very kind of dark story, but she had the fortitude to just say what she was seeing about our future. Mm. So in a way she was oracular in that way. I like that as an example. Um, but so if we look at the other, the myth, the side of the myth in which she was silenced for speaking what she know because there's there's knowing and then there's acting on the knowledge so there's, oh, yeah. I, think, I think there's this kind of the fight against the patriarchy or whatever the established power is i think that's built into her story too so that she comes out in the late 90s we can kind of uh -huh. work with that energy more right so yeah can't wait to see where she's on my chart is there is there a, an ephemeris available online for her yeah definitely um so if we look at her through the asteroid number, right? You can look her up. Let's see. All these fast facts usually have right at my fingertips. I know. I'm sorry. I put you on the it's, spot. It's, but uh, every, everybody's very forgiving. It's funny. I, I would usually know her um, asteroid number, but it's like six digits because she was so recently discovered, right? Oh. Five, two, three. I uh, will. I can look. I, would you like me to? It would, do you disclose I, I, your birth info? I can look it up right here. Oh yeah, I, I do. I'm, I share it all the okay. time. Oh, yeah, no, no. December, 
this December the 14th, 1959. 8.52 a.m. Derby, which is D-E-R-B-Y, UK. What was the time again? 8.52 a.m. And that's Derby with an E, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyhow, um, look at it. Just kind of makes me laugh when you were talking about that uh, that one chart because uh, I'm a little bit of a fighter against the patriarchy and such like. <laughs> sure, I felt like that would resonate with your story. Well, this is interesting. She was at 22 and a quarter Virgo. Oh, so in her opposition prior to discovery. Ah, oh, square my son. There we go. I will uh, put her in my chart. Thank you for that. So sure. <laughs> uh, shall, we, shall we look at the interesting chart? Do you want to look at that? Great. Yeah, you already have um, the yeah, and Casey in there, right on. Yes, I can get him up immediately. And where was, where was um, Okiri in his chart? Well, so the, one of the reasons why he came to mind is that he has a late Pisces Okiri as well. Right. Okay. See, in fact, it's exactly conjunct the discovery degree. And so we see that he's kind of. uh, So his was about here. All right. You don't have the Okiri. Yes. Thank you. So so Edgar Casey was exactly 2443. So within minutes by degree of the discovery placement, 2443. 43. There we go. It's written on now. (laughs) Also conjunct Venus, right? Okay. Yeah. Pisces stellium with the North Node in Pisces, right? No wonder he was a seer. Oh my goodness. Right, and so you know his (laughs) his, uh, chart will reveal his truth regardless if we have all the centaurs in there or not. Yes. The fun with the centaurs is we get this new Mm. layer of meaning, but we also get the timing that a new planet brings, right? And so yeah. So also as a technique, which I think you've already discussed variously, that the um, the discovery degree of a centaur, like how Cariclo right now is opposite her discovery degree, mm-hmm. and, and Okiri has returned to her discovery degree, that, that kind of becomes a sensitive point in the timeline for all of us to hone in on that, right? So when we see that someone with great visionary power has, you know, even more than a century before the discovery of this planet, which is really interesting and kind of mind-bending yeah, also. It is. <laughs> so they didn't know about this. Of course, the archetype of Okirui existed, um, and of course the planet did too, but it wasn't an astrologically awakened no. symbol. So it makes it feel like maybe there was some kind of pre, um, foreshadowing of, of the Okirui archetype in someone like him yeah well I mean that doesn't surprise me because I think you know anybody that's worked with a chart somebody after their death knows that the chart continues after so why wouldn't it foreshadow yeah (laughs) right right on that's that's really an interesting avenue we can look at one death chart also after this actually that's cool okay um well yeah and the centaurs really have a lot to do with this whole sort of uh psychopomp leading between mm. realms um you know Chiron and, his, and Polis especially or all of them really 
sorry yeah. and his and and his in the eighth house is those sure room. yeah the eighth house is the, but yeah i'm also noticing the fallers look at <laughs> oh his right. ascendant and um yeah, yeah. And, great and of course the sun and the sun and um okiri are a square to nessus so. wow yeah and, wow. and he had a really interesting life because edgar casey was like a very humble didn't have really big goals to become kind of a spiritual leader he was a photographer and mm -hmm. he um just started to go into these spontaneous trances right or going to sleep he was the sleeping prophet but clearly yeah. he was in some kind of trance state and the fascinating thing about that is that he was 24 years old and okira we had just passed one degree past his natal placement so it was applying to his son also very important yeah yeah. When he had his first um, experience of being someone who knew more about the world in his sleeping state than his waking state. Wow. And wow, speaking that... of Mary and, and all that, he didn't name her as Mary, but there was some kind of angelic saintly figure who blessed him by a river, actually. Oh. Actually, that's funny. His, his, uh, his biography is called There is a River, which is a reference to a psalm, I think, but... Well, so wow. Well. <laughs> so he was very Okiroian. He was, for sure. He, really and, was. he lived this. And mm. and the prophetic uh, Pisces is such a kind of mm. uh, the sleeping prophet that makes sense. Totally. But um but prophetic dreams, um, wow. That's that's quite astounding chart, to be quite honest. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, and this is beautiful because a traditional astrologer would find a lot of meaning in a lot of the symbol just of you know sun venus in the eighth house oh, i'm sure. sure you know in pisces and then sorry we don't have to but uranus rising opposite folus really broadens out this kind of ecstatic ability where he's actually got to be like out of his body mm -hmm. folus has a lot to do leaving the body you know whether it's helpful yeah. or not but well yeah, yeah. well wow. yeah, at the south node look at that yes yeah definitely and it's that Pisces Virgo axis again all round. Very true. Um, it's it's quite astounding. And and you know, I I know you say another astrologer would say this anyway, but I think it mm. does add another layer because not everybody's a sleeping prophet. <laughs> exactly. kind of not everybody with Sun Venus conjunction in the eighth house has these prophecies from their dreams. So. Yes. I love that <laughs> aspect exactly, like how we find <laughs> people's spe specialities astrologically by adding the centaurs and our yeah. favorite asteroids you know really brings out it does meaning. it it does it's brought a load out wow. what is that interesting glyph near pluto in taurus in the 10th oh that's dwarf planet halmea oh interesting okay so that was kind of and a generational trend well happening. well she's she's got about the same orb as as pluto actually right. they kind they kind of work in similar ways only she is rebirth without the uh without the tower destruction <laughs> cool well, so they're both it didn't kill him to be in that kind of transpersonal state no elbow no. in the 10th wow yeah nice. and i love that sort of knowledge about the overlapping cycles of like pluto and homea you know drawing mm -hmm. some really large cycle that we don't really have any understanding about you may have some but you know we love to know about like the saturn jupiter cycle and of uh -huh. course you know you're in a cycle they're so relevant but 
there's so much knowledge to extract from just knowing all of these archetypes spinning around um, these incredibly I'm, complicated. I'm, I'm still learning that one and studying it, mm-hmm. but it, but it does immediately strike me that that was these two were sextile to the um, Jupiter and Pallas Athena in her discovery chart. Right. So, yeah. Right. Because uh, they were at 22 degrees Pisces in the. Uh, yeah, no, brought me back to so, what I wondered about Pallas, but yeah, yeah, so Akiri <laughs> and Edgar Casey is just such a, a very concise story because, mm. I mean, I'm sure we could look at a lot of his events and there would be more interesting information, oh, but just how work. it was kind of his initiation into being the Edgar mm. Casey that we know of and not just a simple man in Bowling yeah. Green who was owned a little photography store, <laughs> but he was... I mean, I mean, we can. I, I want people to read to buy the book as well. So I don't want you to give everything. Oh well, thanks. Actually, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. I also do. But this is a fun fact. In in, I also kind of just keep him in my folder of Okirui stories. But I don't actually tell his story in any more detail than we've just gone over in, okay. in the chapter. I do get uh-huh. into the Marian apparitions, though. That was my oh, original okay. um, entire chapter idea. But then I thought I would go more into a comparative approach of looking at mystics from a few different traditions so he's just in the intro to show how we have uh, Mm -hmm. a clear understanding of you know if you asked someone to name a prominent psychic you know it would be be him and then and then probably Nostradamus right he's like someone everyone knows well if we trust the birth date that we have on file for him which was uh Christmas or yeah uh, December 24th 1503 in the Gregorian um I don't know if I'll bother get just tell just tell us sorry sorry yeah great but we don't have to um even cast his chart because when we're looking at the centaur cycles he also has the same Okirui degree more or less within a degree wow that's just one of those groovy facts that the universe was seeding us all this information before mm-hmm. we were able to pick up on that layer we could yeah. even say that like with the centaurs they were always working behind the scenes now we're just able to mm-hmm. know what's actually happening well well they were always there weren't they so. yeah i think it was rujar who has this kind of <laughs> annoying idea that they don't actually operate in our lives you know the outer planets and until we're able to grapple with them but i don't mm. think that's true <laughs> it's I, kind of a I, quaint I, idea now yeah i kind of i kind of see his point uh, at a collective level you know what I mean? Like when, you know, when when um, Neptune was discovered, um, you know, it was the rise in spiritualism. And, and yeah. And, and so at a collective level, I can see that their energy kind of displays more collectively. But I think they were always there operating in the background yeah. anyway. So we just didn't know it. We didn't know they were there. So <laughs> well, right. My... So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that we had this kind of what if there's what if her own discovery was actually us, you know, kind of first picking up on her energy or whatever word we want to say for her spiritual power as a planetary deity in our sky. But the, it was just kind of, she was bursting through with her power at that time. So we happened to catch her at 24 and a half Pisces. And now we see that that's always been a powerful time for her. I mean, that's a very yeah. like bold statement. I can't say that with authority, but the point of actually in my chapter, one of the main methods I use is just this very simple kind of magnetic pull that a discovery has, mm-hmm. that a discovery degree has. Mm-hmm. So 
when oh it really does yeah right and so yeah. there's even kind of like a holographic effect where even a planet that's not the centaur when it transits that degree it seems to call up some of that mm-hmm. power mm-hmm. and so we can see that yeah yeah, yeah I, I definitely see it working because I, I have a, a quite an interesting series um now dwarf planet series and she mm-hmm. was discovered at 23 Taurus. And right. of course, what, where are the eclipses right now? Right. <laughs> and that was conjunct the uh, Pluto Haumea algal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's an, I'm it's just... It's an interesting place in the sky, I think. That it is. Part of Taurus, yeah. Yeah, it is. Right. So if it's all right with you, I was mm-hmm. telling David as we started, my podcast has been lucky enough to reach the point where I have enough listeners and followers that um, I have sponsors. So I'd just like to do a quick shout shout out for um, my sponsor this um, episode. And it's um, a prop, it's a company called Susto. I don't know if you can see it, S-U-S-T-E-A-U. And this is moon dust hair wash. It's actually powdered hair wash. You just sprinkle it across a wet palm, not all in one place, lather it up and wash it. And I actually have tried this already. And um, and it's uh, very concentrated. It's very clean, made from quite conscious ingredients. It's got no sulfate, silicones and parabens. It's vegan, it's cruelty free and is the packaging. As you can see, smaller packaging because you are got just got powder. So it's great for traveling as well. You don't have to worry about the TSA taking the liquids through. And um, this is made of ocean bound plastic, fully recyclable. So one bottle of moon dust hair wash is, is equal to about four bottles of eight ounce liquid shampoo. So you can see that this, I'm a bit of a greenie myself. So I'm very excited about this actually. And they um, actually send you a lovely little hair clip as well when you, when you buy. Well, anyway, um, if you want to give Susto a try, um, I will put the link in the show notes. And if you use uh, promo code COSMIC, you'll get 15% off your first order and you'll be supporting my podcast. So give Susto a try and maybe uh, take it on your next trip so you don't have to worry about the TSA. So let's get back to um, centaurs. So you said you had a death chart to show. Would you like to show yeah, that or are you? Great. Yeah, let's do that. So um, similarly, so a lot of my research stems from just kind of trying to find common threads between mystical experiences and lots of different traditions. Mm. So I have like more than 100 case studies that I've really checked out. And one of my favorite mystics is Sri Aurobindo, who's an mm-hmm. Indian scholar, mystic, yogi, uh, with a lot of exposure in the West. Um, he also wrote in English, which is a great feature. Um, let's see. But so I don't know loads about him, but I have heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he's just one of those people who wrote like thousands of pages and uh-huh. really some kind of spiritual wisdom was coming through him, whether we subscribe to it or not. He was very a uh, prolific writer even to have that many pages mm. and so he's someone who has um still a following he was famous uh in kind of the hippie consciousness for creating a commune in south india which is still operational yeah and so let's see you know we could also just talk about it because it's another one of those key details his chart is fascinating 
when we look at all the centaurs, he's a Curiclofolus conjunction. Um, but when he died, Okirui was at the north node of the moon. Uh-huh. And they were also at 2425 Pisces. Oh, wow. So it's like, and that's just fascinating because. Like, like he got called to whatever heaven is. <laughs> right. On, on that moment. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, the death of a saint in, a, in the yogic tradition is like the Mahasamadhi. It's, it seemed to be like the enlightenment, you know, essentially where his goals were fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so just even anything, you know, relating to the north node in in our understanding not in indian astrology necessarily no. but just <laughs> that okirui at the north node bringing this fulfillment of someone's mystical vision through is mm. exactly right on especially and, at that degree wow. that degree and that doesn't happen very often that those two planets are conjunct i i should look into that but yeah very historic kind of moment but then so that became one of those fascinating figures to just kind of continue with that kind of signature right like that seems <clears throat> something to look out for so two also mm. of the of the marian visionaries who i do write about both of them were born also when okiri was at the north node oh, in wow. different signs but just to really bring that to the forefront i think the north node oh. is one of these great like emphasizers yeah. in a chart you know i can't wait to get this book honestly it's uh... neither can i <laughs> thank you <laughs> we're working hard on it so the thing yeah. is we have 12 amazing writers authors and this has been such a year of challenge you know in the world and in everyone's lives even if oh, we yes. have it pretty good it's just it's really hard to maintain focus and work yeah. on our own mm-hmm. constant healing process through all of the mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the collective and in our own lives so and you know i'm a libra with a lot of pisces so i'm not exactly like a hard-nosed boss kind of figure <laughs> and yeah. so I, I understand everyone's uh process so you know the original I thought we would have the book by now I could safely say but the mm-hmm. fact that we still have 12 people working hard at this uh, led by Melanie Reinhardt who wrote the introduction and a mm-hmm. wonderful chapter on Cariclo um and then Brian Clark as well contributed Mm-hmm. Uh, his understanding of the Chiron cycle, the psychology of like what we were talking about, the squares and mm. oppositions of Chiron leading up to the return. And especially why I'm so interested in that is because of the elliptical nature of the centaurs, you know, um, a secret element of Chiron to understand Chiron in a sign is to understand the time at which it will bear the fruit of a square or opposition you know, that will uh-huh. vary depending on the sign it begins in. Okay. So Brian has, has written about that. And that's one Ooh. of my favorite topics. And he's oh. really, you know, a psychological astrologer, friend of Melanie's. Um, maybe, then, maybe he'd like to come um, on the podcast too. Oh yeah, I hope so. Yeah, he's <laughs> yes. a great, great person to have on. And then, yeah. uh, so we've had a few personnel changes with the waves of the last year, but mm. this is just refining our um, our crew of very dedicated centaur scholars uh we have a very a variety of approaches to not only kind of more um case study based but also more just um storytelling and mm-hmm. uh emotional kind of the, the cancerian side of the of the spectrum with a few um uh Anandita Simon is a British scholar and healer who's writing about the nymph archetype in general, which again is one of those new, lesser understood or less spoken of. Uh, And now that there's both Kariklo and Okirui 
and of course there are other nymph goddesses like Salacia and mm -hmm. various planets that we have maybe Sedna would be a, a related mm -hmm. one perhaps right yeah so that's uh someone who I'm very glad to have part of the project and our friend Jenny Kellogg who is a Greek scholar uh, a wonderful astrologer she also works very closely with the Akashic records in a very mm. convincing manner, which is uh, her secret weapon to understanding what's going on with the centaurs. Cause we can just ask them. Ah. <laughs> awesome. I do right. shamanic journey work in that one. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I journey to planets and planetary bodies. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. To do that too. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I think a lot of astrologers, are many splendored things and and so mm -hmm. we all have our many talents and so that's that's great to know um yeah i think with the centaurs especially there's this like need to really access them beyond the page mm. and you know melanie reinhardt herself also leads wonderful visionary journeys which i experienced in a recent yeah, workshop yeah and i was impressed by how the reality of the the cave in which we met chiron in you know um, mm -hmm. I also do a certain kind of attunement with the centaurs and Jenny and I do that together. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's an important part of what the centaurs are doing for us. Although the personal journey that we can understand through looking at our transits and cycles, that's our, the, where we get the astrological healing from, of course, and just kind of perspective, how things mm. have meaning in our lives, but it's both. Yeah. And of um, course, I've, I've, I've just had my curricular return. So that's why yeah, it's yeah. all, it's all really, uh, as well as Folus being exactly, well, he's going over my Saturn again because he's mm. retrograde at the moment. So they're, they're both, they're all speaking to me and my progressed son is on my Chiron. <laughs> okay. That, that's a really nice example too. Thanks for sharing of how they often come at us together as a team. Yeah, and so I think it's so important that we learn about all the centaurs because then we can really get the full holistic pattern that's happening. Which is why I can't wait for the book. And why I'm <laughs> yeah. interviewing you all because yeah, Nessus, Nessus so, yeah. is also square my right. Jupiter, Jupiter Palace uh, conjunction okay. as well. So, right. Yeah. So Jenny will be writing about Nessus. So we've got some Nessus presence. Uh, a great young astrologer, Andrienne, is going to be writing about. Asbolus, who is also one of those mm. lesser known but very powerful centaurs. And then my dear friend Bobby Williams, who's also an astrologer who's a psychic, um, has kind of interviewed all of the centaurs. And so there's about half a dozen of them. And they, oh, they speak I love to that. her very convincingly. Oh. And kind of some unexpected aspects of their personalities come out in that way. And Bobby is, by the way, someone who really helped me in the early stages of my centaur unfolding to really mm -hmm. know that this was a true path of mine and not some kind of yeah. crack in the seams but uh, seeing the light coming mm -hmm. through and opening that wider yeah um so i was really grateful that she wants to be part of this and let's see we've got our friend hugh smiley who's also someone who's led more of a embodied and psychological approach to working with the centaurs for a number of years and then we have um also, we have wonderful people. Cameron Allen, who I think is one oh, of yeah. the leading astrologers of my generation. Very I know exciting. Cameron. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. He's writing on healing and Chiron and that, you know, in his, in his famous embodied approach to astrology. Mm. And then my friend Priya Kale will be writing 
another aspect of the Chiron cycle, this whole spiritual journey Mm -hmm. um, from the more uh, actually traditional Hindu yogic side, which she can speak as uh, both uh, a yogi and an astrologer. So that's really great. Oh, I think this is all, I think this is all amazing. And and, and, of course, and myself, right? There we go. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I've really, really enjoyed learning about more about Okirio from you. And I, I want to kind of know more about her. But, um, you know, would you kind of have any final message from her? Can you, do you kind of speak to them yourself? Because she, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, also from... The, the context of the year and where we're at before any channeled message may come through that her, mm. you know, she's the interplay she's had with Nessus through Neptune now is such mm. a broad range of material, like emotional material that there's so much healing emotionally to happen in just the past year. And then she's actually going retrograde this summer. So we'll, we'll replay this whole Neptune conjunction Oh, wow. Before she eventually moves on into Aries next year. Will she go back to her discovery degree? I think, yes, yeah, she does. Yeah. Yes, right. So yes. this is a, yeah. a long, so yeah, I guess on the also less spiritual side of that world, very spiritual because it involves mm. our lives at a very spiritual level of love and reproduction. But I think mm. this whole story is not yet over with how we relate, you know, just in our own political sphere right now. Yeah. And I almost saw that that was a hopeful sign that whenever a centaur is involved, like how Cariclo was really involved in the Saturn-Pluto conjunction of last mm-hmm. year and, or a couple of years now. And I feel like there's a glimmer of hope when they're present because they have a bigger picture to, to tell us and mm-hmm. it's not done yet, you know? So I think the Okirui story that we're learning now is to really trust the information that comes through us although anything astrological applies to, you know, the full spectrum of humanity. So there can be like a madness to a centaur too, you know, where it doesn't always help us do the right thing. So I'm like, you know, it's uneasy to say something definite will happen due to one transit, you know, because you know how it goes. And and I'm not a very predictive kind of astrologer anyway. It's kind of more... I look at it more as kind of opportunities, really. So yeah, we get to, we choose we choose to tune into the kind of higher energy of it if we choose to. We can choose not to and go the other way. <laughs> right, right. So by yeah. tuning into the higher energy, we also we embody it and we we can channel the energy. I think Okirui is very easy to access vibrationally, mm-hmm. and we can sort of get a glimpse of her whenever we really just commune with a beautiful flowing water you know a stream Mm. or river and I think we can that's so innate in us the this as the symbolism comes through conjunct to Neptune and at this watery degree of purification through water that Mm. there is the messages in that sensation I think without Mm. thinking or speaking about it and that you know we have the baptism we have any kind of Mm -hmm. purification by water that's nothing unusual we all bathe to purify you know it's something Mm -hmm. so in seeing her work through the collective kind of being blessed by Jupiter and Venus before her return there's one Mm -hmm. like phase of maturation that she's coming through and I think the Okirui Neptune conjunction 
can be one of the most beautiful, you know, opportunities to channel clear information, but you have to already have a good relationship with Neptune to do that. So again, like when we see, you know, we see the obvious transits happen and then they become notorious because the people with the worst influences enact on those influences. So we see bad things, but we can act on our strong influences where we have the spiritual training to tune into and then they can be our guides too being very jupiterian i'm always hopeful yeah. for the for the latter <laughs> yeah no, but so of course it's, un- it's unfortunate that's how the world works that there are yeah. influences and we you know we learn but so as like you mentioned already that we've kind of deduced that okiri relates to the saturn return and chiron return both yeah and that's the story of um growing up i don't know becoming whole it is it uh, is <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm probably gonna have to buy that software chiron with a k you say oh yeah and um it's also on the iphone which is a really handy oh. way to have the centaurs available and that's oh. not expensive i think it's ten dollars so oh I'm, like i'll be downloading that right after this then because yeah, i'd like my, to my sponsor thing is k-a-i-r-o-n <laughs> <laughs> you know and like all so- software there's there's quirks and you have to kind of learn to work with it but yeah it's, it's pretty good yeah it's reliable yeah. it has a lot of the uh, asteroids and centaurs built right in so mm. really handy way to learn about where they are at any moment yeah yeah i mean astro gold keeps adding them all the time i'm sure they'll add mm. more centaurs but uh but they're not there right now. And I want Oh, to yeah. And that's right the thing now. that it's about uh, 10%. It's, it's only like, it's less of an investment than Astro Gold. So you can get mm-hmm. uh, Chiron for your desktop and iPhone and not have yeah. to spend as much on it. Yeah. Well, um, David, where can people much. find, where can people find you if they want to know more? I know you've got various articles out yeah. there. I know there was one for the Oprah magazine. I um, yeah, you know, that was uh, late 2019, where it proved that I was not much of a predictive astrologer, because I didn't talk about what happened in 2020 very reliably. But, uh. but it, <laughs> it's just an <laughs> ironic moment in my career arc there. But yeah, that was also put on astro.com. And I was very glad to see my name in lights there. Yeah. So that's the, um, that's talking about Cariclo's role in mm-hmm. 2020 that's still valid and useful yeah thanks yeah. so all my links are at uh, centaurs.space is my main website you can check out my articles and and classes there and then <laughs> my work with the centaurs as healers and mm. uh collective channeling of information and healing is through centaurhealing.earth but you can also just click the link on my first website cool and then uh press, which is p-r-a-e S-E-P-E is where you can access. I didn't realize you were the publisher. (laughs) Yes, I'm the the so-called publisher. You know, I have um, my my Mars and Sag is in the ninth house. So Uh I'd like to uh, activate my my publishing power there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what what degree is your Mars? Uh, Eight or nine. Oh, mine's seven in seven. Oh, right. Very close. Mars is, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. manifesting <laughs> and Paris power that's great yeah let's see. all right then yeah, I feel like, hmm. yeah anything but, oh yeah so like... just the fact that I'm a publisher it's kind of came about as the need to get this book together and we'll see what else we have the opportunity to bring through there's definitely a chance that we'll have multiple volumes of the the centaur anthologies because 
there's a need to bring this information together. You know, so many people ask me, well, how can I really learn about Okirui or Kariklo? And there are so many levels to each of their stories and understandings mm. that you and you, there's and there's really not a lot out there, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's a great opportunity for us to to take control of the information and and put yeah. it into a reliable way. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Melanie Reinhardt herself is is advising the project at all times, mm. and she's a wonderful mentor to all of us. And of course, mostly how I learned about centaurs is through her writing. But yeah. even in her published work, you know, that hasn't been updated in more than 20 years now. So yeah. we want to see more Melanie in print, you know? So Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's her been article a... is fabulous. Her chapter is really great. Also, it's an update of something that she wrote also 20 years ago. Wow. And now she's seeing it through the lens of Curriculo in Aquarius and, and all of that. And so yeah. Stay tuned. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, very exciting. It's been a real pleasure. And please go and, you know, put your email in to get notified when the book is released and grab your copy. I think it's going to be such an important um, addition to astrological kind of wisdom, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) It's much needed. So thank you, David. It's been a real pleasure.